Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org. Welcome, everybody. Anybody who's joining this first Thursday for the first time, want to remind everybody that this is not a peer-led refuge recovery meeting. This is a teacher-led offering of refuge recovery world services that you've tuned into tonight. Uh, And there is a difference. World services is the nonprofit organization that supports the peer-led meetings, which is really the vast majority of what we do at refuge is is support uh, the meetings, the peer-led meetings. And then it's also part of our mission to have Dharma teachers like myself offer some Buddhist teachings and support people who want support in deepening their understanding of uh, Buddhism and how it applies to our recovery from addiction. So that's what we're doing on this first Thursday. Just completed, um, like this year we've been through a uh, four sessions on forgiveness and four or five sessions on mindfulness, the four foundations of mindfulness. And I'm going to open these last four months or so of the year to the heart practices of loving kindness and compassion, appreciation, and equanimity. And um, tonight we are starting with metta, loving kindness. Um, And I'll talk a little bit about it and we'll meditate on it and we'll have a little time for discussion probably about an hour or so for this class, maybe a little bit more than an hour. One thing that I'll say, uh, first I'll define, uh, there's this term metta, M-E-T-T-A, that we translate uh, as loving kindness. It's a core teaching from the Buddha. It's uh, a core part of our recovery. And um, it comes in relationship with compassion and appreciation and equanimity. It's not uh, all of the Buddha's teachings are interconnected and support one each other, one, one another. Um, and loving kindness isn't sort of just a standalone thing, but it's, uh, it's part of the wisdom. It's part of the uh, attitude of mind and heart that we're trying to develop. And uh, we call it loving kindness. I'm told that it, the, the word metta more um, clearly or precisely translates as unconditional friendliness and having an attitude and a um, outlook of uh, friendliness towards and unconditional towards all living beings. And I was lis- listening to a Uh, Dharma talk earlier from a Buddhist monk named uh, Sumedho, Ajahn Sumedho. And he was talking about metta, loving kindness, friendliness as uh, uh, an attitude that comes from our practice, that we develop in our meditative practice, that is um, non-contention or uh, uh, non-resistance so on some level, some of it's acceptance, that acceptance of, of friendship uh, that we have. And, and I really liked that he was uh, pointing towards, this includes towards um, difficult people. 
This includes, he was even using the term evil people. Um, that that loving kindness, because we all know, yeah, like it's easy to be friendly towards our friends, <laughs> right? It's easy to be friendly towards people that you like and you care about. And um, but it's much more challenging not to suffer at our enemies or people that you know we're offended by or annoyed by or part of our recovery is to uh, I I believe a, a very important part of our recovery is to free ourselves from hatred um, on two levels. One, because hatred, resentments um, often will bring us back into addiction, active addiction, into relapse. Um, there's a saying that uh, relapse is the number one cause. I think it's about a 12-step saying that, that um, uh, resentment is the number one cause of relapse for us addicts and people in recovery. We get loaded because we're angry, because we have unresolved hatred, resentments, judgments. Um, so loving kindness for our recovery becomes a necessity, friendliness, acceptance, developing this wisdom in order to stay on this path of recovery, in order to stay sober or, or free from uh, the process addictions we've become uh, addicted to. And then on another level, even if, you know, maybe there are some very angry, sober people, <laughs> uh, and maybe you can stay uh, in recovery and angry at the injustice in the world. And it's so easy to, to justify anger at injustice and ignorance. But that other level, which is actually, this is the path to happiness. More than just, am I going to continue drinking, using, acting out in my, uh, you know, process addictions? It's, am I going to not only be in recovery, but am I going to be happy? Am I going to be free? Do I want to experience a sense of ease and well-being? And so this is one of the offerings of the Buddha, uh, where he says, if you want to be really free, you got to love everyone. You got to have kindness, even for the most ignorant, confused uh, people. And that doesn't mean um, that we have to like them. It doesn't mean that we have to be in relationships with them. It's an attitude of heart, an attitude of mind that we're aspiring to, to develop. A little background. Um, I perhaps you're aware that in the uh, Eightfold Path, when the Buddha says, here's the path to freedom from suffering, he doesn't name loving kindness. In the original formulation of here's the Four Noble Truths, here's the Eightfold Path, he doesn't say practice loving kindness. He says practice non-hatred, non-greed, um, but he doesn't say develop loving kindness and compassion. It's not till later, um, some years into his teaching, that he that this uh, metta, the loving kindness sutta, the unconditional friendliness teachings arise. Here's my, and we don't know why, but here's my idea about why. I think that mindfulness. It's quite clear that the Buddha's meditation instructions in the Eightfold Path 
was mindfulness. He said, here's how to be mindful for foundations of mindfulness. Here's how concentration will help with the mindfulness. I think that his experience, his direct experience, was mindfulness led to a feeling of loving kindness for all living beings. Mindfulness itself led to compassion for all living beings. Mindfulness itself led to appreciative joy, the opposite of jealousy and envy and the suffering of the comparing mind. It was mindfulness that was the main tool and the main teaching. The outcome, the fruit of clear comprehension of the impermanent nature of all things was loving kindness and compassion and appreciation and equanimity. But at some point, a few years in, of teaching mindfulness and the Eightfold Path to, to everyone, uh, he realized, oh, this isn't working so well. What if I give people a specific heart practice rather than just waiting for mindfulness to reveal a loving heart that's always been here? How about if I help people excavate and uncover with a meditation practice? The context of the teaching is that some monks came to the Buddha and said, um, we are experiencing fear and anger and hatred. We're practicing alone in the um, forest and we're trying to be mindful, but we're, we're scared and, we're, uh, and we feel like we're being attacked. We feel unsafe. And he says, well, if you, de if you develop loving kindness, uh, towards these, whatever you're being attacked by, um, then you will feel a sense of ease and a sense of security and a sense of kindness towards your enemies, whoever's attacking you. You won't suffer at them anymore. And here's the words. I'll read to you the sutta. Sutta is the Buddhist term that um, it means uh, sutta. It means scripture, but it actually means like suture, like a, like stitches. The, the term sutta is the same as like suture. Um, and it comes from the first teachings were written down on palm leaves and then sutured together, sewn together. So that these are all of the early Buddha's words, the words of the Buddha, the early teachings that were written down and then sewn together on palm leaves to become a book <laughs> to become the, the big book of Buddhism that we call the Pali Canon, uh, the suttas, sewn together teachings. It's called the Metta Sutta, the Buddha's words on loving kindness. He says, this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety May all beings be at ease. 
whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short, or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upward to the skies and downward to the depths, outward and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or laying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding by not holding to fixed views, the pure hearted one having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires is not born again into this world. So just taking a moment to reflect and let resonate. There's a lot there. There's a lot of so much more than just the loving kindness meditation that we do in refuge, where we develop the uh, may all beings be at ease, may they be happy, may they be free from suffering. You see that, you hear that here, the meditation instruction when he says, wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. When he says, um, you know, uh, radiating kindness over the entire world and spreading up and down and out and unbounded. So the meditation instruction is, is here, it's taken from this teaching, but there's so much more to it where he's talking about um, to be able and upright, upright and, and straightforward and gentle with our communication. As, as we know, he's addressing speech so often, he's addressing how do we communicate? Uh, as you're, I'm sure, aware, it's part of the, um, it's part of our path. It's one of the factors, uh, the, the third factor of our path, wise communication. How do we, and do we communicate from a place of kindness? Or are we impatient? Are we short? Are we critical? And so it's more than just a sitting meditation. It's a communicating meditation straightforward, gentle in our speech, humble, humility, not conceited, not I, me, mine, you know, huge, big, big practice for us addicts, for all human beings, but, you know, in a lot of ways, addiction is an addiction of, of self-centeredness, of conceit. Contented, easily satisfied, that practice of accepting what's offered rather than being proud, demanding. And so reflecting on all of this as wise counsel, as advice, how am I living my life? Am I walking through my relationships? How am I speaking? Now, of course, it's the meditation. You know, we come as addicts, most of us, 
pretty dysfunctional and pretty self-centered and pretty, you know, suffering a lot. We are not, you know, very few active addicts that are really skillful communicators and kind. And <laughs> most of us have to learn this. It's part of the skills we're learning in recovery. The meditation practice teaches us how to be kind to ourselves, teaches us how to be kind to each other, teaches us about humility, about generosity. There's this line here that I, I very much like. It says, no, let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would disapprove of, later reprove. And I like this. Uh, it's been a big part of my recovery practice of thinking about what actions I'm doing. Are they in line with the five precepts? Are they free from killing, lying, stealing, sexual misconduct, intoxication? And think about the whys. I like to think about my teachers, my mentors, my sponsors. Would my sponsor disapprove of this action? Would my mentor, is this something that I, you know, um, I'm happy to freely admit to, to speak about with somebody who I believe is wise? And kind of taking that, um, you know, what would the Buddha think about? <laughs> what would the Buddha think about this thing that I'm doing or about to do? Now, of course, there's certain areas around our sexuality where maybe we have some uh, you know, feel like it's private, um, you know, around masturbation or, or some thing uh, where you're like, I don't really want to tell the monks about my, or the nuns <laughs> about my, you know, masturbation or something. But I, I really like this and just looking at what your mind does and hopefully not going into shame about it, but an intention to live our life with so much integrity that we have nothing to hide and that we can be transparent and that we can be um, authentic in how we show up. And that it's not, we're not hiding. We're, we're done with the secrets. We're done with the, uh, the shame and the actions that are out of integrity. And how thorough is it? He says, you know, uh, may all beings, and then just to be clear, he says, when I, all by all means, I mean the weak and the strong, the great, the medium, the me, me, mighty, medium, short, the seen and the unseen, even those, you know, the billions of people that we don't even aren't connected with. Perhaps this is also speaking on a mystical level to, uh, you know, people that aren't in the human realm. Uh, ghost realm, uh, jealous gods realms, uh, hell realms, heaven realms. Uh, of course, you know, Buddhism does talk about that kind of stuff. Those living near and far away, those who are born, who've already incarnated, and those to be born, those that are on their way in, the unborn. And there's so much encouragement towards forgiveness in this loving kindness teaching. First, honesty, let none deceive another so we can all look at how honest are we being with ourselves, with each other, starting to tell the truth, rigorous honesty, stop deceiving each other, or despise any being in any state. That's a tall order. Are you committed to that? <laughs> I'll tell you that I have been committed to freeing myself from hatred and resentment 
for over 30 years. Yesterday was my 33 year anniversary of recovery of, of doing this thing. And so, you know, early on, I got it. I got this teaching. I got the forgiveness teaching. And I said, I'm going to free myself from hatred. <laughs> and I had, I hated a lot. I had a lot of resentment. I don't get to the place where I don't despise any being in any state. And I've had some success and I've had a lot of failure and my mind still despises. I think that the biggest thing in, in my experience with this is that I don't uh, believe my mind the way I used to. Meditation, mindfulness, loving kindness, recovery, uh, the insight that arises through these practices that we're doing has helped me when my mind is saying, hey, fuck that person or that person or you know, what the fuck is wrong with Texas and despising, you know, the government or whatever is happening in my mind. It still might, still does it. Mara visits, but I don't get so hooked into it anymore. The progress that I've seen is that I'm not able to live in a place where I don't uh, despise any being in any state. Those thoughts arise, but the uh, clinging to them the indulging in them has decreased a hundredfold. There's this beautiful line after this. So around forgiveness, it says, let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Again, high bar, setting our aspiration to come to the place where we're not wishing harm, even a, you know, to the most confused, the most vile, the most ignorant people. Says, even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, one should, uh, with a boundless heart, one should cherish all living beings. As a parent, I don't know how many of you are parents, not that important, more it's the archetype of a good parent, of a loving parent, um, cherishing all living beings the way that uh, the ideal, the archetypal, loving mother, loving parent, cherishes our own children. I'm happy to admit that um, in my own experience, I find this to be impossible. <laughs> but again, for 30 something years now, I've been trying to do this, trying to cherish others the way that I cherish my own children trying to have that attitude, aspiring to that kind of friendliness, that kind of loving kindness, that kind of patience and tolerance that I would have for my own children. With a boundless heart, cherishing all living beings, radiating over the entire world. And there's a line there at the end of the Metta Sutta where the Buddha says, by not holding to fixed views, the pure hearted one, or sometimes I like to think about that, by not holding to fixed views, the heart is purified. And that the whole, in order to forgive, uh, you know, we talk so much about 
separating the actor from the action and our fixed view of ourselves, our fixed view of others, our fixed view of the world. And this open-mindedness, this um, allowing the possibility for change, that we are changing, that, that people change, that, that um, we're not who we used to be, and either are they. Allowing for forgiveness, allowing for um, breaking this way that the mind tends, I think it's just a human instinctual tendency to uh, cling to our, our views and our opinions and, and get quite fixed in them, rather than having a bit of humility and a bit of like, I don't know. I don't, you know, um, the last line says not born again into this world. And of course, Buddhism is literally talking about reincarnation. I like to think of that and may maybe that's so I'm not so interested in going, going down that discussion of whether or not there's a cycle of reincarnation happening or not. But I've always thought of that word when I hear it internally, born into the world of suffering. That when we're practicing loving kindness, when we're embodying unconditional friendliness towards all living beings, we're not born into the suffering of fixed views. We're not born into the uh, suffering of addiction. We've broken our addiction to our minds, to our views, to our opinions. And we experience that happiness, that freedom, that liberation of non-clinging, not born over and over into clinging and aversion, clinging and aversion, clinging and aversion. Not born again into that world for that moment. So that's more than enough setup. Let's meditate um, on these teachings. Let's do some loving kindness. And then uh, we'll do about 20 minutes and then we'll have some time for questions or some discussion if you'd like to. So find a way to sit that's upright and relaxed. As you're ready, allow your eyes to be closed. softening any unnecessary tension in the eyes, the jaw, shoulder, the heart center, the belly. As you exhale, soften your belly. Open the chest, open the heart.
And set your intention for kindness, friendliness. With the first simple phrase, towards yourself, may I learn to be at ease with myself just as I am. Radiating kindness towards your own mind and body. May I learn to be at ease with this mind that has its tendencies towards craving, aversion, fixed views, conceit. non-contention, non-resistance to ourselves just as we are. This process of recovering, of healing from our addictions. May I be at ease with myself just as I am. Spend a couple of minutes just sending loving kindness with the phrase, may I be at ease, or may I learn to be at ease. With your mind, with your heart, with your body, with your past, may I learn to be at ease. Free from hatred and ill will, Radiating kindness towards all of the wounds, all of the losses, all of the unskillful thoughts and behaviors of our past. Setting the intention, creating the neuropathway of kindness towards yourself, even if you don't mean it yet. It's okay to fake it till you make it. Certainly what I did with this practice in the early years. May I be at ease with myself just as I am.
when the uh, attention wanders into thinking about something else, just replace that thought with the phrase, may I be at ease with myself just as I am. In this way, this meditation is a concentration practice. Eight, eighth factor of the Eightfold Path, we're concentrating on the phrase and being mindful of the sensations in our belly and our chest and our bodies. Continue to soften your belly, release your jaw. Learn to be receptive to your own kindness, to your own well-wishing, goodwill. bringing in some of the other qualities that the Buddha is suggesting. Saying to ourselves, may I learn to be humble, easily contented, may I learn to be humble and easily contented living with acceptance of what is. So much of our suffering comes from craving for life to be different than it is, the world to be different than it is. Just for this moment, softening into the possibility of ease and contentment. May I learn to be straightforward in my communication, honest, not deceiving anyone.
making an inner commitment to honesty, non-deception. In order to be at ease, we have to be free from the fear of getting caught. So we tell the truth all of the time. as an act of kindness to ourselves when commit to honesty, to humility. May I be free from fixed views about myself, uh, conceit, the low opinion of myself, uh, inflated opinion. May I be free from the fixed views about who I am. Just returning to the core practice, may I be easy, may I be at ease. Radiating kindness, cherishing yourself the way that you would cherish your own child. Remembering that we're part of the all. And that this awakening, this healing, comes from the inside out. In order to be fully kind and present and wise with others, we have to learn to do it with our own mind, our own heart and body. Radiating loving kindness through your whole being, from yourself to yourself.
and begin to expand to friends and family, just as we wish to be happy. It's the true for all of same is true for all of our loved ones. Just as we wish to be at ease, not born into the suffering of clinging and aversion. Sending loving kindness, radiating kindness, friendliness towards your loved ones, friends, family, your Sangha, community. Saying to them in your heart, may you be at ease. May you do what needs to be done to experience the ease and freedom that's possible. Expanding, including your benefactors, mentors, teachers, wise friendships, people who've inspired you, supported you, encouraged you. Sending them loving kindness, radiating gratitude, appreciation, and the wish for their ease. open to the possibility of wishing ease for your enemies, the difficult, confused, ignorant, unkind, unskillful, suffering beings, remember 
that they're suffering. Ignorance is not bliss, it is suffering. Radiating loving kindness, trying to see the difficult people in your life, the difficult people in the world, as suffering children. May you be at ease, may you find freedom from your suffering and confusion. The greed, the hatred, the delusion that's making you so unbearable. May you be free and may you be at ease. Seeing how quickly the mind wants to cling to our fixed views. And remembering that our resentment, our anger, is our suffering. These are the practices that end our suffering and give us some freedom. You don't need to stay angry. Everyone has their own karma. Wishing for their ease is not giving them a pass. Nobody's getting away with anything. Everyone's responsible for their actions. And we're developing kindness in our hearts towards the suffering and confusion of our enemies. To the east and west, north and south, above and below, radiating kindness over the entire world, cherishing all living beings. Even if we can't do it yet, we're setting the intention, the aspiration, to see this world through a different lens, through a lens of wisdom and compassion. The repetition of may all beings be at ease. The rich and poor, the young and old, the prisoners and the guards, 
the oppressors and the oppressed. May all beings be at ease over and over in your heart. Concentrating on the phrase, softening the belly. Beyond the human realm, including all, all creatures, animals, insects. Of the sea, of the sky. And the seen as well as the unseen, perhaps there are unseen realms. May all in existence, all sentient beings be met with kindness. May all sentient beings be at ease. The Buddha once said we could search the whole world, all realms of existence, and we would be unable to find any being that was more worthy of our loving kindness than ourselves. Remember that and breathe into your heart center, into your belly, your own work your own ability to heal, to recover, to renounce the substances and behaviors, to renounce the fixed views, the conceit. To experience freedom in this lifetime through your own actions. Just as I wish to be at ease, may all beings be at ease. Just as I wish for all beings to be at ease, may I be at ease as part of the all. And when you're ready, allowing your eyes to be open, come back into seeing and moving and seeing all these folks, you might want to 
turn your camera back on and allow yourself to be seen and connected to the Sangha. And it's a good habit to get into after a meditation like this to take a moment to pause and contemplate, reflect on what just happened and kind of seeing, sometimes we see all the places that we're making some progress or the places that we can be a little bit stuck. We see what's shifting in our practice over the months and years of meditation. When I started these practices, I uh, felt like I couldn't have any sort of genuine sense of kindness for myself or others, really. Maybe a little bit for some people that I really liked, but the development um, is different for each one of us of these of this practice. Uh, we'll all have our own uh, trajectory and timeline. And I felt like kind of a slow learner and, and I had a, a kind of a very gradual process with all of the meditation practices, but loving kindness in particular. And it took some years of saying, may I be at ease, before I started to mean it. And then after, but I, you know, I had enough, I don't, I had enough confidence and maybe, maybe it's confidence. Maybe it was um, desperation. When I learned Buddhism and this path, uh, I just knew it was my only hope. It felt like it was my only hope. And so I just kept doing it, even though it wasn't working that well. And then eventually, over the months and years, started to find some relief. And five years in, a bit more relief. And 10 years in, a bit more relief. And 15 and 20. And I'm 33 years in as of yesterday. And I'm finding more and more relief. And I got a lot of room to grow. <laughs> You know, just the, the work continues and the um, ability to really truly embody these principles of kindness and of honesty and of freedom from resentment and uh, living with that kind of full integrity that we're trying to live with. It's a ongoing lifetime process. It does get easier. The mind becomes kinder over the years. So I'll leave, you know, open it up. What any questions, comments, clarifications about loving kindness? You can raise your hand by, I think it's in your participants tab. 
if you'd like to ask something or say something. Amy, go ahead, unmute and jump in. Hey, everybody. It's nice to be here. I remember, I was late, but I remember the first time that I heard those words about four and a half years ago. And I thought, that's wrong. <laughs> I can't ever really be that person. And um, fuck if you weren't right. <laughs> And um, I am amazed on a very regular basis how much the practice shows up in a day-to-day -day life. Um, getting through the ups and downs that come with chemicals of the first year and then just still showing up and learning how to show up um, has just been incredible. And then I, I'm a completely my practice and my life are completely different than they were two years ago and it just keeps getting better. So thank you for that. And I just wanted to say, Hey, awesome. Nice to see you. Yeah. And yeah, I remember when you were like, oh, this shit's not going to work for me. And then at like two or three years going like, it's starting to work. And at four, you know, what it's working hell? more and more. Yeah. It, it, well, I knew, most... I knew everything when I thought it wasn't going to work too. Right. So there's that. Right. <laughs> A few fixed views. You think? <laughs> thank you. Uh, Daniel, go ahead and jump in. <clears throat> yeah, thank you um, very much uh, for this talk. Um, yeah, so I, I've been, and I'm sure people in meetings have heard this, and if you have, I'm sorry, I'm boring people, but yeah, I've been going through this really bad trauma at work. Um, so much so that I'm in fight or flight mode. This last week has really been hell. Um, and just constantly, yeah, my whole body is like, I get maybe two or three hours a night of sleep. My whole body's like tingling with, with that, that fight or flight um, feeling. And so much of uh, it's because of really it's because of one person, um, but there's also other people involved and it's, I, I have such a hard time. Um, I tried all summer long. I kind of saw this happening. It was building up over the summer and I was practicing compassion and loving kindness and always trying to look towards that person. And I, I felt like I genuinely was, and I was able to let go of it in the moment but this last week, it's just blown up. And I'm just, I really, I feel like I'm in a Kafka story. You know, it's just been so bad. I mean, one thing I must say is that I have not even wanted to, to, to do any drugs. <laughs> you know, like I, my sobriety is as strong as ever. Because I just think, like, how fucked up this situation is already so fucked up. If I was fucked up on drugs, it'd be even worse, right? And so, to some extent, I'm like, you know, good for me. <laughs> but yet, I'm like, you know, listening here tonight, I'm just like, I mean, I just have so much hatred for this person that I, I, I just don't ever, I mean, that's not true. I mean, one day, one day, maybe, but like, I, I just can't see it happening anytime soon. And so to one extent, I feel like 
I don't know, like I, I over my sobriety feels so strong that I feel like I've like, I've transcended my sobriety somehow, but that instead I'm dealing with this like normal person issue, right? Which is like a work issue. Um, and, and now I'm just completely falling to shit. Um, and so, um, yeah, I don't even know if I have a question, um, but I just feel like this really resonated with me. But yet I also felt like I'm just so far away from that. Um, so maybe one day. Thanks, Daniel. And I mean, I did hear you saying that, you know, you were getting some relief and that there have been moments of relief, you know, as you've been practicing in this way. And of course, when we're in it, it feels like nothing's working and, you know, I'm back to square one. But, uh, you know, so it's all perspective. Sometimes we forget, like, imagine if you weren't in recovery, weren't meditating, weren't doing all this stuff and something like this happened, you know, like you'd be, you'd be in jail. (laughs) So there's, you know, there is a progress that's happening and there is, you know, it is decreasing the amount of suffering, even though it feels like, oh shit, this isn't working. I can't have compassion. Just that we're trying. Right. Uh, And just, you know, keep, keep trying. That's all we can do. And don't relapse, you know, like, and, uh, and, um, I don't know. Some of my big resentments took me like close to 10 years before I felt like I that was kind of dislodged. Um, so I think that that's important, you know, that that's a really, it's a long-term thing. And when you're in it, it's like distance and time. And um, when you're in it, it's, it's quite advanced to be able to be like forgiving and compassionate in the midst of conflict. Of course we want to get there. Um, but often most of us find like, Oh no, I get there much later. <laughs> you know? um, that's part of the process. Anyways, nice to, nice to see you. Thank you. Christina, go ahead, jump in. Thank you, Noah. Um, I absolutely want to say happy birthday. And um, I feel so grateful to be in a room, like even if it's virtual with people who like are exactly like me. It is so fantastic. And um, I was sending meta and loving kindness to a certain individual and I do feel better. I was like really upset about something. And um you know, when you, when I turn the kindness inward, I, I enjoy it. And when I send kindness to people I like, I enjoy it and sending kindness to people who are assholes. It's a little challenging, but I did it anyways. And I do, I feel better. So thank you for your wisdom, your guidance and your direction. Appreciate it. Thanks, Christina. Thanks. Nice to see you. Maybe we'll leave it there for tonight. Was there another one? Keith, did you have something? No? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I couldn't. I guess I couldn't see how to uh, raise my hand, but thanks for noticing. Um, This one is really challenging for me. Like, I've had my own, like, Buddhist practice for um, 11 years. And, yeah, some of the the stuff, it does get easier after 10. but like, I still have this problem with, 
like this ongoing problem where it's like, okay, like I can have loving kindness for your, for your soul and your spiritual self. But God damn, I think you're a fucking asshole right now. You know what I mean? Like going to the post office, going, you know, when things just go wrong. And it's like in that moment, I can't even think to myself, like, I deserve better than that. I'm like, no, you're an asshole. I pay my taxes. Give me my fucking mail. You know, like we all have that trust in society that things are just going to like, you know, everybody's going to do their part and do their job. And, and that's not it. You know, it, it, it really is up to just like listening to this. I'm just like listening to myself. I'm like, no, like you are the asshole still like, because not only do you deserve better, but everybody else deserves you to be better. You know, and that's the only way that it's going to work, I guess, because, you know, any other way, it's like you're the asshole behind the counter, you know, and I have loving kindness for your soul when you die. But right now in this moment, like I want to dot your eye, bro, like, <laughs> you know, and I don't know how to. That's my biggest challenge. You know, it's not, and it's not, <clears throat> you know, I don't want to go, I don't want to go to, to the drug dealer. You know, I don't want to go get Coke. I don't want to go get any drugs. I don't want to go get a beer. I don't want a cigarette. I don't want any of that. But I don't know how to make that suffering go away. I hear you. I'll, um, I'll share with you something that has helped me. Buddhism, how Buddhism has helped me. Um, because, you know, Buddhism, and it's about expectation. It's about perspective and expectation, right? Uh, because from a Buddhist perspective, we live in this world where greed and hatred and delusion are the norm. And the first noble truth, suffering. Everyone is suffering. Every single person that you come into at the post office, at the right, everyone is experiencing the first noble truth and self-centeredness. Like all this shit that we're trying to do to free ourselves from is normal. And it's not just because we're addicts. This is the human condition. So when we see the world through the lens of Human beings are filled with greed and hatred and self-centered delusion. And you expect people to be assholes. <laughs> then when someone's not an asshole, you're pleasantly surprised. Rather than walking into, you know, wherever we are, expecting everyone to be wise and compassionate and friendly and patient and it's all expectation right so on some level the buddha's expectation is that actually people are asleep 99% of people are asleep in their own suffering and confusion it's really rare to meet people who are genuinely in integrity with their speech and their actions and their way of being and so anyways, Buddhas, that's the, I believe that's the Buddha's worldview. And it's, you know, some people don't like it. They're like, oh, well, I want everyone, you know, to uh, think. At the same time, you know, the Buddha says, hey, everyone has Buddha nature and everyone has the ability to wake up. But there's just this 
kind of practical understanding that very few of us actually do it. And so then when we come into contact with people, we just say like, oh, they're asleep, they're with greed, they're with hatred, they're with self-centered delusion, they're fighting their own unseen battles with their you know, existence and just makes it so much easier for, you know, for me to walk in when someone's rude, see their suffering, name it, first noble truth. And when someone's not and they're kind and they're, you know, attentive and they're friendly and they're managing their own stress at their stressful work or whatever it is, driving, whatever it is, then to actually have some appreciation really kind of rather than expecting wisdom, having a lot of appreciation for it when it shows up. And so I don't know if that helps, but I feel like that's part of the, the Buddhist worldview that it took me a long time to kind of get like, oh, cause I, you know, the whole world is suffering and we have a special kind of entitlement in America um, to like how things are supposed to be, the justice that is supposed to be and the rights that we're supposed to have and the, and they're beautiful ideals. And of course they're not practiced very often. And we don't even need to get into the conversation about white privilege and all of that. <laughs> It's part of the situation that we're all living, you know, in, in one level or another. But expectations and realistic worldview, um, I think, helps a lot to see the suffering and to have more compassion for it rather than just have the expectation that people aren't going to be suffering and they're going to behave appropriately. I think we'll leave it there for tonight. Thank you all for joining me. Um, we'll continue this next month. We'll do, um, I think we'll probably go to compassion um, and we'll continue this, the heart practices, you know, uh, every month. Um, and we'll go compassion and appreciation and uh, equanimity. And I think that's gonna, let's see, October, November, December. Yeah, so that's gonna take us through the year. And then uh, next year in, in 22, we'll start a new series on Thursdays, um, I think. So many merit that's gathered through our practice and discussion of the Buddha's Dharma be shared with all of the suffering addicts in this world and outward beyond the addicts to all of the suffering normies in all realms of existence. May all beings be at ease. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings do what needs to be done to wake up. So thank you so much. And um, if you'd like to leave a donation for world services, I do this. Uh, it's my own service to show up. I don't receive any, doing any money from, from this class. But um, I am, uh, you know, the fundraiser guy for world services. 
uh, if you're, you know, if you have meetings, hopefully the meetings are sending money into World Services. If you would like to individually, you know, donate to World Services, um, please do. We're, we're doing all we can to support refuge recovery in uh, existing. So please uh, help us do that. So thank you and uh, see you next time. Refuge Recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.